17. 17. It's a lot of teens. Yeah. Still doing it. Still doing it. <laughs> Don't know why. <laughs> yeah, right? I'm not sure what you've done. Yep. Um, I guess I'm being called to do it. Are you being called to do it? Shasta? No, the podcast. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm sitting here. Yeah, we were talking. We talked about a lot. Yeah, so may as well record it and create several hours of work for us. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's just like archives for the archives for the archives. I think it would be beneficial at some point. Our viewers, both of them, will uh, <laughs> listen. My um, whenever whenever we had the whole discussion with Aiden about like. Spiritual awareness is too big of a burden. Yeah. I was thinking there was a part of me that possibly saw saw myself being the way I am as a net positive, specifically for him and Annabelle, because I wanted, like I thought it would be beneficial. And so I, I was, I spent time struggling with with that perception of like, well, how much, how much of me doing me um, is also there for Aiden? Like I would be doing me no matter what. Yeah. But how much of it is, is in hopes of like that this would be helpful for, you know, next generation. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I'm right with you. When, when he said that, I had like flashbacks to, uh, you know, the whole, my whole religious culty upbringing. And the whole, and I'm like, oh my God, the one, you know, everybody's like, well, the one, you know, when I have kids, the one thing I'm never going to do is, is have them feel like there's some sort of religious or spiritual burden. Oh, and then he said that and I'm like, oh God, that was 100% the opposite of everything I ever wanted for my children. Yeah. For them to feel but at the same time, I understand what he's saying. I understand that in a very real sense, the even the knowledge that um that there you know, if you have the knowledge that that there you can live a certain way, you almost end up with, well, now you have a responsibility to either do it or actively decide to not do it. Yeah, I understand that, and like I understand how that can be can be interpreted as a burden. I don't see it as a burden. I see it as this, like, as like a a, a freedom from construct. A, a, from what construct? I was gonna say from ignorance, from yeah. uh, from that. That's how I look at it. But I I see how you could look at it as a burden, especially if you know. You've never, I guess, lived like that, maybe? You've never really, I don't know. I can see how it could be interpreted as a burden, but at the same time, you know, I try to look at things. Who was it? Was it Alan Watts was like, you know, you could, no, was it Alan Watts? Yeah, I think so. It was like, you can look at things two ways. You can look at things that nothing is a miracle and that we're just, you know, basically, you know, machines you know and you know life is this you know 
happens to be an accident that, that you know, biological or, you know, molecular accident. Eating something over there. And, you know, nothing, nothing special. It's just basically at one point, the Big Bang, you know, smacked a bunch of billiards balls and they're all still bouncing around and it's predetermined. And, you know, you can look at it like that. Very materialistic. Or you can look at it where everything is a miracle. I'm alive. That's a miracle. The sky is blue. That's a miracle. We have a little cat. That's a miracle. I look at this cup. It's a miracle. And there's a rock. It's a miracle. And, you know, which way is right? Which way is accurate? I don't know. Maybe maybe that is an unknowable thing. But but looking at it, everything is a miracle is a lot more fun of a way to look at it. So without the knowledge of which one is, is right, which one is accurate, why not pick the one that's more fun? Yeah. Yeah, if the experience of life is an experience, then wouldn't awareness right. behind experience be better? That, yeah, that's how I see it. Yeah. Um, yeah, when he said that, it really hit me hard. And then I had to, like, I had to start evaluating of like, wait, you know, we say that, I said that we do this podcast in order to spare people going through what we went through. Right. And I'm like, but I, yeah, I don't want that to yeah, be but a at burden. The same, but at the same time, you know, are we, are we now condemning people to, <laughs> right? Almost, you know, it, it, in as much as, well, if you have this knowledge now, ta-da, here's the burden to to either live this way or, or actively choose to not live this yeah, way. Yeah, and I don't want this to be a burden. Right. Right. My goal my goal behind is, is not to, like, once you have this knowledge, right, the guilt of, like, not being the way right. that I, Tanya I and would, Elliot preach. Right. I would 100% rather anyone, Aiden, even, just live live how they want to live, free of guilt. Then be guilted into doing living a certain way. Yeah, because that's what I grew up with. Yeah, yeah. So that's not the goal at all. No, like behind it this. is not. It is not. Oh, we're right and we're high and mighty, and you know, it's it. It's not that. It's it's more of here's through a lot of pain and a lot of suffering and a lot of trial and error, we have found something that works for us, and I believe would work for almost anybody. Yeah, and heck, we're still going through it, and we're still, right? and it's not done. It'll probably never be done. It's it's a journey. But, you know, I would like to share that. And, yeah. and if if it helps anybody, great. And if you listen to it and it's a bunch of baloney to you, that's fine too. There's maybe, no maybe just understanding to to hear yeah, to lunatics rant about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> she said pain body, take another shot. Uh-huh. It's a drinking game. Yeah. N- no, and so yeah, so so yeah, it, it, it like it hit me hard and I had to start to evaluate of like, why am I doing this? And the fact that I know I'm doing this for the future and is not necessarily for right now, right? I have that knowledge and I'm like, I don't know what that means. But I, yeah, but I don't want any of this to come through as, as, um, as a burden, right? And so he said that and I'm like, yeah, I could see how being young and and having this knowledge would would bring about responsibility right i mean and and i'm like yeah, wait but am i trying to weasel out like i still i i think i said this in the previous the podcast two ago that i do see how me saying you know make sure if something comes up you process i mean go make sure if you know you feel something you acknowledge what the actual feeling is right, right. like I guess I did say that to him in a very adamant type of way. Right. Well, because I, mean, I, I, I fundamentally believe that's true. That's the I, yeah, I, I yeah. believe that that is 
not the right versus wrong way to live, but the right versus the much more difficult way to live. I believe it's the easier path. Yeah. I think it's it's easier. Yeah, but I think whenever whenever I, in the podcast and then also to him, we said that you know we've spent twenty years of our marriage living in a very fucked up way. I don't want that for you. Like he took that with a grain of fear. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, if I don't, if I don't do, do this, this, like my marriage is gonna be fucked up. And so through that, just based of like, my goal was not to instill fear into him at all. Like, right. right? His life will be whatever it is. But my goal was to, to emphasize the importance of awareness. Yeah. And I think like maybe I miscommunicated or, or over, over, like, I guess he felt like they're like him, him knowing the importance of that then made it like. He has to do this and he has to get it right. Otherwise, his life will be shit. So, like, yeah. he, he put his fear into yeah. his Which is his Which mind. is very, very much the opposite of what we're trying to, trying to instill. Yeah. Like, right? Living in fear is quite the opposite of what, because yeah. the 20 years I mean, he was living in fear. It, it, it's good that he recognizes that fear. That's great. That's mm -hmm. kind of doing the right thing is to go, wait a minute. I feel this fear. I feel this pressure. I feel there's maybe this guilt about not doing it or not doing it the right way or not doing it all the way or or, or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, uh, which is great. I mean, it's it's not great that he feels that, but it's great that he realizes he feels that. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's yeah. a positive. No, it's it's great, but and it's great that he had you know he brought it up, and then I got to evaluate my part on it of like, wait, how does that make me feel? Right? Like, do I assign do I assign a role within my life as his mother to to help him live, right? Like, remember, like, I think one of the first podcasts we talked about was, like, the goal of the parent is not to have them experience what they experience, right? Because of the pain body. Right. And so what I'm doing here is basically that, right? Yeah. I have taken my lack of spiritual awareness or just self-awareness as as like this net negative as a pain body within itself, right? And then basically want to save my child from living that same same lifestyle, which is like kind of a pain body itself, right? Like like not having self awareness ends up being in this case a pain body. And then I'm living right. the pain body of not having self awareness. Which I didn't think I was doing. But it on the surface, it does seem that way. Yeah. So it seems like that's our topic for today. And not <laughs> right. Is, right, my, my realization of the awareness that we spend 20 years of our life together and then 40 years of my life cumulative living in lack of self-awareness, does that create its own pain body of wanting to spare my children from Yes. Living in yes, I think it does. I think it does. I think every every parent, I think we said this, they they have their own things that they went through that were unpleasant and that they want to spare their kids from that. I mean your your dad was a you know, yeah. was the example. No, know. but in this case, this is like spiritual awareness. Right. Awareness. It, it, it makes it it's like a it, double it makes whammy. It, well, yeah, it makes it kind of ironic. Yeah. Um that uh um, what I want to spare him is lack of self-awareness, even though 
in the long run, right? Like you would say like, oh, well, everything my dad wants to spare me from is something you want to spare your children from. But right. in this case, it's like lack of self-awareness is what I'm trying to steer him away from. Right. Which is like, right, which creates a burden. I, I agree with him. No, I do. I mean, there's, there's a, you know, there's a phrase that ignorance is bliss. And, you know, I can, I can see where they're coming from, right? To a degree. I can see that, you know, well, on one hand, back before we started all this stuff, it was, on one hand, it was easier, mm-hmm. right? There, There is that burden, if you want to call it, that responsibility, if you want to call it, the, uh, which is completely self-imposed, right? It's not, you know, if I, if I don't, you know, pay attention to, you know, and all, let me take a step back. All we're really asking of, of ourselves, all we're really asking anybody to do is be aware, period, <laughs> is, is be aware of what's going on. As you go through life, as you go through your day, everything that you do, everything that you think is, is, is basically is a choice. And whether, and when, if you don't bring awareness to it, most of these become subconscious or default choices. You do whatever it is because you've always done it, because it's, it's easier. And you don't even think about it. You're like, well, yeah, I just, I just, I do this. I, I take, I, of course I take the elevator. Why would I take the stairs? I, it doesn't even cross your mind that taking the stairs is an option. You bring some awareness to it. You're like, wait a minute. If I take the stairs, I could, you know, I could burn off some calories. I could, you know, get a little bit of exercise. I could, you know, whatever. This is a silly example. But if you, without bringing awareness to it, it you, you never turn this default choice into a conscious choice. And so really all, all I'm trying to do, I think all you're trying to do, and all we really ask anybody to do is be aware of what you're, what you're feeling, what you're thinking, what you're doing, and, and from that awareness, you can you ha- you then have the ability to make deliberate conscious choices instead of just falling into whatever the default would be. The default it is you know is is often e- whatever is easier or whatever you're used to. It's really easy to go grab a drink. It's really easy to sleep in, and there's nothing inherently wrong with sleeping in or grabbing a drink, but. Is that what you actually want to do? Maybe, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But if you go, wait a minute, I'm only grabbing a drink because I always grab a drink. Maybe I'm going to not today. Maybe I'm going to run an experiment and see what happens if I don't. Maybe I'm going to do something else instead. Maybe, you know what, screw it, I am going to get a drink. That's cool too. You can you can decide to continue to do what you've always done. That's fine. But then at least it's a conscious decision. It's not, you're not just being being sucked into whatever the programming is you know calling it calling it programming is is a really good term because it's like well that's just you're almost programmed to behave this way or believe these things and you know in in the um the book from the last episode letting go uh he he talks about a lot of things that are that are programming you know the the names that we we assign to things carry with them a lot of uh definitions above and beyond what it may be. You know, you, you say, you know, I, I have an, an ulcer, right? 
And, you know, you, do, do you, one doesn't feel the ulcer itself. You feel the burning sensation from whatever stomach lining dissolved. You, you feel this, right? That's as far as, as a, a human's physical experience of an ulcer is, it's, it's this, you know, burning sensation, I guess, right? But then you, you go and you say, that's an ulcer. And now it's got this, it's got, it comes along with a whole lot of other stuff, which may be, you know, anatomically correct. I'm not saying it is or isn't, but where was I? I was going somewhere with all this. It carries like a whole other set of definitions. Right. It carries, it carries, it, it carries with it a whole other set of, of things. Now there's a stomach wall and there's the lining and it's dissolved and there's some sort of acid imbalance and there's the medicine and there's, you know, now I can eat this and I cannot eat that. And all this stuff gets wrapped up in this one word of ulcer in as much as that is programming. You have an ulcer and now it's, it's not just, oh, it hurts. Now it's all this other stuff. Makes the situation bigger in this case. Right. Um, I'm not saying that that you know all that's all that stuff does or doesn't come along with an ulcer. That's beside the point. The, the The point I'm trying to make is that there's this programming that's built that's built into even even a word, and so there's certainly programming built into. Well, I've always done this, or well, this is easy, or well, I feel like doing that, without actually considering considering it and and actually being aware of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah. I mean, on on the podcast, my goal is to to communicate the process of of becoming aware. Um, but I guess for for Aiden maybe the goal is like watch out for these pit holes. Yeah. Um I mean, he's aware enough to to know that he feels bad about not being more aware. Or not doing it all the way or all the time or or something, which which is very impressive for, you know, a teenager. Yeah. No, yeah. So right, obviously on my end, just like you grew up being burdened by religion. Like I don't want him to feel burdened by yeah. by this. But then there was this other part of me that like looked at it from from the, you know, the Plato's cave allegory standpoint of like that that human being that gets murdered when he comes back from the light, you know, climbs out of the cave and comes back from the light and then like tells everybody, guess what? There's, there's light out there. And and then all of a sudden the world that it was a shadow in front of you, it, it becomes transparent and fake and it's obvious. And then you have to live. If you choose to stay in the cave and continue to live with your shadows, you already know that, Th- that there's something fake. else yeah, right and so th- there's that disconnect between like wanting to he said you know like i'm a kid and i you know i i kind of want to be blind right yeah and i was thinking oh wow here's plato's cave allegory and i don't blame him for it um there, and so i'm like well <laughs> <laughs> part of me was like would I have made a different choice and not exposed him to this information? Like, would I have not told him that there's light the second I knew that there's light? 
uh, over, right? Or would I have, because he's my child, right? And you want to spare him from unnecessary, I don't know what, right? Like there's this, this goal to protect your child. And in this case, from knowledge, from truth. Uh, then there's there's a very small sliver of me that thought that way, right? I'm like, yeah. what I? No, I and I'm like, yeah, no, there's no way. I like, can, I there's un- never. I understand that that position. How I understand that, but yeah, it's like, but it, in that position, you're not even giving somebody a choice. You're not even giving them the option. And it feels it feels like if there is a responsibility on us, it is to at least give them the option to do this. Give them the the tools and the knowledge that this is a way to live. Don't have to take it. Don't have to do it. But here is a way to live. It comes with my recommendation. In his case, you know, he he sees the firsthand account of how it looked like back then and how it looks right now just trying to gain awareness. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, and then, and then, and then, what what it would look like on his end by the net comparison of of that process, right? And so I think what then what happens is as he goes through life, then he has this lens of like, wait, I can just be in oblivion and pretend like the sh- shadows are it, or I can acknowledge the knowledge behind it, and then and then feel this larger responsibility. And, right. and so he feels that. I think that's what it is. Right. He feels that. And that is big, right? The size of that knowledge is so big. Yeah, there's a there's a scene from The Matrix Number One, where the uh, uh, spoiler alert <laughs> for a twenty year old movie. More twenty, I think, um, right? The uh, I don't remember. It was he was you know there's Neo's crew, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's Morpheus's crew. It was the bad guy, the the traitor in there. He was the the skeezy looking guy. I remember. And he's meeting with, I don't know, Agent Smith. And they're eating, and he's eating a, a steak, right? And the and he's making a deal. He's going to turn over or kill, you know, all these, you know, humans who have escaped the Matrix. And in exchange, he gets reset and plopped back into the Matrix. You know, he's like, you know, I, I don't need to be rich, just some nice job, just whatever, and just I'll just and just make me forget everything. Ignorance is bliss. Yeah. Yeah. And then maybe in the Matrix world, you can do that. You can fr- he's like, I want to forget that the Matrix exists. I just want to be plopped back in there and just live my life. Mm-hmm. Ignorant of of yeah. of that. Plato's allegory. Right. I wanna I wanna forget that there's light out that this is a cave, and I just want to go back and just enjoy the show. I mean, Matrix is quite literally looks like a cave, right? Well, well, I guess no. Wait, the 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 pretend world is the, the cave. The, in inside the Matrix, it's the cave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and but, the outside of it is not that much yeah, greater. But either. once you have the knowledge that it is the Matrix, that there is a Matrix in a real world outside, mm-hmm. or that there is a cave in a real world outside, or yeah. that there is, you know, living, you know, blindly or bringing awareness to awareness, it, yeah. which is three ways to say the exact same thing. Yeah. yeah. You, you, you've, you've passed the threshold and there's no going back. Yeah. There is no magic, was the red, I forget which, red pill or blue pill. The um, one, one of them, you forget everything and you go back, reset button, and one of them, well, on down the rabbit hole. I, I have the impression that he's kind of straddling that. I, you know, 
Like, I'm, I'm not ready to, I don't want to take either pill. I'm not ready to, and not just because he doesn't like <laughs> taking pills. I don't, I don't, I'm not ready to take the, I don't remember, red pill and go down the rabbit hole. And I don't, but at the same time, I feel guilty about taking the blue pill and, and reverting back. Not that the blue pill even exists because once you know about it, sorry, now you know about it. You're cursed with that forever. Right. Right. But at the same time, taking the red pill is a, is like a commitment to, uh, responsibility, to responsibility and live that way. Yeah. And so it, living in this, uh, stasis land purgatory of, uh, of not taking, not, not making the decision. You're living, you're just limbo. Yeah. Which, which I understand, I, I can completely understand uh, the guilt around, around that. Cause you're, you're, you're waffling here and you're like, well, that was kind of easy and that was kind of nice. And that was, I didn't have any responsibility. And I, you know, I understand that I do. And I, and, it's, and well, oh gosh, if I do this, then I'm going to have to, hello, hello. I'm going to have to change my life and I'm going to have to do this. And I'm going to have to do that. And that's, she, I'm, she twerked the direction of me, Mike. And you know, maybe you're, you don't want to, or you're not ready to live that way. Or, you know, yeah. I, I understand that. And I understand the guilt of being in the middle. I can completely understand that. You know, in his case, you know, he's coming these are his first steps into adulthood. Yeah. So with him, his first experience with the world is starting out with cognitive awareness of what it means to be aware. Right. Versus, you know, what in the matrix scenario or the Plato's cave allegory, the assumption there is the people are already adults and have spent their life living in darkness seen shadows and then and then and then now and you know another adult comes in and tells them that there's this true true way right. there's this like truth rave, out there raving lunatic mm-hmm. yeah anyway. and, and Plato's like yeah they took him as laying lunatic and I think they kill him right and so right. I would so, I would think it would be easier to do as a child uh, the young I, I would think the younger you are when you learn about this, the, the easier it would be to incorporate. Yeah. And the, the Matrix movie, right, it, you know, this was, it's what, at least 20 years old, if not older than that? Yeah, um, probably. I think it came out before you and I met, right? Mm-hmm. So probably in the late 90s. The way the concept was written is basically Plato's cave allegory written into the story. But the what they did is they took the the gameplay that is our three dimensional interpretation in this blindness, right? Uh, and they made that you know the our reality, which is the truth. But then they took the awakening state, right, like the self awareness state, and then they they. Uh, mm-hmm commercialize that into a concept of like, oh, you're still existing as a human in that world. And then thus, like your fight, you're also having a different fight on the inside there, right? So there's a movie's interpretation of the Plato's allegory. So it's not necessarily accurate. 
the reason why I bring this up is because I feel like in truth, the choice between taking the blue pill versus the red pill is not like, oh, guess what? Over here, I get to live in ignorance and bliss and having this awesome, awesome thing. But if I take the blue, uh, let's say the red pill and, and then wake up, I don't know, I guess. I, don't I think the red that. pill woke him up. Okay, let's say I take the red pill and I wake up. I get waking up to, no, the accurate part is a more stressful way of being because there's this burden and there's an awareness and there's it's a fight. It's certainly stressful to begin with. Yeah. But I, I, I think it, there, there's an there's a in, inflection point where it, it becomes less, it starts becoming less stressful and then it crosses over and, and then eventually it is even less stressful than the old way. I think so. Oh yeah, no. I, but to begin with, it is like, it, it, there, it, there's a lot of stress and there's a lot of, oh my God, I've been living my life wrong. I've been doing all this stuff. There's a lot of, yeah. lot of guilt that comes with it. Yeah. A lot of like remorse, a lot of like, oh my gosh, I've wasted 40 years of my life, you know? Yeah. So that, that ca the, the cave that the Neo then goes into or where like they are their bodies now and then they have to like fight the fight is accurate because self-awareness or self-awakening is a fight, internal fight that you fight. But I think what Matrix fails to, to, to portray, I don't know, I, don't, I think all through the three sections of it is that there is the state of utopian bliss that you do reach once you go through what is the fight, internal fight, right? Recognition that you are blind and trying to apply awareness that that balance between awareness and the 3D and still like functioning in between those two, two spaces. And then what we talked about in the letting go book, you know, reaching that 700 to a thousand state where there's a net positive, right? Because in matrix is almost like they went from this ignorant, ignorance is bliss world where they're, they're in the theatrical play, right? Which is what the Shakespearean, point was like right Shakespeare this that's what his whole you know teaching is to to something that ne does not have a positive like in Matrix I felt like there was not a other other than awareness being a positive thing and you can look at it the rest of it was like I don't even know if we're going to win this fight against the machine right right in because the Matrix I think wanted to showcase that this is a f still a fight the, yeah, the, that the awareness it, is still a fight. Yeah. There's the forces that are trying to keep you in the darkness. Right. 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 Which you could look at it that way, right? You could look at it. There's, yeah. there's, out, there's dark forces out there her, trying to keep you going, guess what? You know, it's really easy to, to coke yourself up and spend weekends with hookers and then, you know, go gambling on Fridays, Saturdays, and then go back into the corporate world and live that cycle, right? Like, yeah, that that's much easier. And then the Matrix's point is, well, not only is it an internal fight against your own self-awareness, it's an internal fight against the bigger forces, right? Like somebody might say like, you know, the cabal level of, you know, suppression. Yeah. I, I do think that there are, um, especially these days, um, in, in modern times, especially in the, in the Western culture, forces that have a financial or, or power incentive to keep you as unaware as, as they can. 
right? Yeah. You know, yeah. pick, pick, you know, whether it's the gambling industry or the alcohol industry or the, the drug industry or the pharmaceutical industry or the healthcare industry or the, um, Oh, this is a sinister outlook. All of those yeah, industries this is, this are is, designed. This is cynical. But, yeah. But yes, it, they are. To, to distract. To distract. It, there's, there's forms of distraction. So from the matrix standpoint, that's accurate, I guess, in a sense yeah. that. I mean, television, music, movies as well. I mean, you know. I guess. And I, I love TV and, and music and movies. Yeah. It's, it, this isn't a, a, a judgment. There's nothing inherently wrong with these things in and of themselves. It's that when they are used blindly, that's when, if, if I were to, to make it a moral judgment of right and wrong, that's when it's, that's when it's wrong, is when it's just blindly used. It's keeping you, it's keeping living you, living in that, that pretense. Right. You, like the shadow you enjoy world. gambling and you, and you, and you consciously go, I enjoy doing this. This is something I do for entertainment. I'm going to go do this. Great. That's fine. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, I'm gambling. I don't even know why I'm gambling. It makes me feel better, I guess. Uh, that's when, that's when there's there's more of a, a problem that I see. Yeah, if you're gambling, gambling with awareness, drugs, alcohol, sex, you name it. It doesn't matter yeah. what it is. Yeah, movies, yeah. TV, work, exercise, it, it, you know things that are you know ostensibly good. Act- oh, exercise is always good. Why could exercise be bad? Well, it's not that exercise is bad, it's that exercise is being used as a way to numb out something that you're not actively really aware of. Yeah. Right. I think I was talking to my dad, I might have mentioned this on the previous podcast, and he was like, yeah, you know, whenever whenever I become aware that there is such thing as awareness. And then I started down that path, and then like the difficulty that it presented itself. I, he's like, you know, I kind of envied the people who are still ignorant. Yes, I, I, <clears throat> I remember going through that. I remember myself going through. Ooh, it was. Uh, I, I, I understand completely what Aiden said when he when he called it a burden. So I'm like, yes. At one point, I, I guess I kind of looked at it. A little bit like that. That oh, now there's no going back. There's a, now I now that I know. Oh, did you, did you resent me for that? Um, yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, it, it wasn't it wasn't for terribly long, but yeah, it was a little bit of like ah. Oh, well, now I'm now I'm now I'm stuck down this path because it's like you to me. I mean, maybe some people can can learn this and go, yeah, well, never mind. That's not for me. I, which, I don't understand how you could do that. Which I, which I don't understand how you could do that. But at the same time, if that is an active choice, then great. That's cool. If that is an active, if you are actively choosing to not do this, at least you're actively choosing. All I can ask for is for people to actively, actively make decisions and be aware. Yeah. And if you're actively aware that you're going to decide not to be aware, in my in in my mind, that is better than not being aware that you're not being aware. It is better. Yes, it is better. So I would be. I would. I would think that's a lot of work, though. I, I think it would be some sort of mental gymnastics and and self deception to do that. But I, whatever, you know, that's beside the point. 
what? But to me, it's like when, it's like once you know it, you you can't unknow it. You can't unsee it. Yeah, yeah. But what I wanted to, like, I guess, what I wanted to highlight here, and then also like what I thought about when I was analyzing Aiden's point was that, and 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 it's not. I say this like with a positive thing, as if this is the goal. But I I don't even see this as the goal. It's just this natural occurrence. The net the net result that comes out of that knowledge and then awareness in the prolonged application is like so tranquil and ultimate peace and ultimate love. And so like, I've, I wish Matrix had a spin where they showcase that, that, that yes, it is this internal fight and maybe even against larger global global lines of it, but there's this ultimate like silver lining, I guess, if that's the expression of bliss and peace and tranquility and ultimate love, like love beyond love. That is, that is kind of like the, I say goal, but it just happens when the self-awareness is applied and applied and applied and applied, not because that's the goal, but just because you're simply living in that frequency yeah sooner or later you reach this amazing state of being yeah that that is within itself worth it like right and i say this as if like oh i'm comparing this versus that versus that and then therefore if you are doing this it is worth it right like i was if i'm like trying to do a sales pitch of why this is worth it but i i almost i like so it's not a sales pitch to see it to to tell you why that's worth it, but it's almost like to deny yourself that expression. It would be would be like an atrocity within itself. Like right. I would I would see that yeah. like oh my gosh that is my ultimate the love and the expression of I that is the ultimate potential and the ultimate joy and ultimate peace and propagation thereof beauond my personal you know, auric field and, and, and body, but propagation of te- into the world. And that, what, that is what is at the end. I say yeah. end as if that's the end. That is what is you're reaching. You're yeah, reaching your ultimate self. Further down the journey. Yeah. yeah. And so to deny yourself even the touch of that expression to me would be like shorting yourself Right, like I almost see you're shorting yourself, yeah, out from 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 the full scale of expression. Right, yeah. I mean, in the matrix, you know, there's there's inside the matrix, which is kind of you know, it's like modern world, which is okay. But then there's outside of the matrix, in what was it called, Zion? <laughs> I think is what what their little community, which was like underground. It's called, and it was kind of crappy, right? Yeah. It's not nobody wants to live there, but they're mm-hmm. you it's know like post post apocalyptic yeah. hiding, like always, yeah, afraid you know, of. Uh... And the machines didn't know where they were because the machines were out to to kill them and everything. So it's like, in, in as much as there is a, you're fighting for a survival. Rough, you know, in in real life when you go through this, there is a rough period, especially to begin with. Okay, that's accurate. But then you're right. There is no like, I guess at some point, Neo, 
becomes like the ascended master and he can do, he can control the real world outside of the matrix 3D world with his, with his mind or something. Yeah. At some point it, he, he, he gets, he can control that. it in order to kill the machines. In order to, yeah. I mean, with the goal of defeating the machines, but, but he ends up. Yeah. Is there but, bliss? Is there peace and bliss and tranquility? Right, but, but I don't, I don't get the impression that there is a. What about the fourth a happy one? Happy ending. What, what do I, we recently we, watched the fourth yeah, one? What remember. what happened there? Because like they tried to put the whole love spin between him and um, Trinity. Yeah, Trinity. Trinity. Right. I love the all the metaphorical uh, symbology in, in it. I don't remember. I don't. Yeah, I don't remember what happens. But I don't. Rem- I. I mean, even if it did have a quote happy ending, I don't know that it was a. Uh, I think the happy ending is we're finally not at war. But it's not like it's, you know, utopia. Yeah. And when I say utopia, I don't actually necessarily even mean like global utopia. I mean, there's utopia of you, of a pers- I. A personal, a right. personal I mean, utopia it's, of self. It's, right. It's a, uh, like that, it's a peacefulness. Peacefulness in the point of like eternal being where you're seeing the world right. as love. It, it, just think about the most peaceful you've ever been. And it's kind of like just that. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's not a high in the sense of, you know, a a, a a drug high or, you know, or something. It isn't that, but it's just, it's just peace, peacefulness. Yeah. It's, but, it's, but very, like, it's very calm. I mean, on one hand, you could say it's empty. And on the other hand, you could say it's completely full. So I don't even know. Yeah, but it's like... Peaceful, but at the same time, full of like the most ultimate love that I right. can describe. It's it's very it's very easy. It's very, but it's full of love. It's full like, of love to me. That's right. that, that's it's like the, the epitome of life. Is like right. we are missing out on ultimate love. Right. And it, and it it when I say easy, it's just that like things flow out of it without having to try. Yeah, things come as and and they and they the life. Just, just life flows. Yeah. But in the most loving and beautiful way. Right. Which I probably sound... Five years ago, Elliot would have said, what the fuck are you talking about? That makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, it's just, what is this hippie mumbo jumbo? But, and I'm like, how could I... How what, what could I have even said? But you, said, you watched The Matrix 20 years ago. What was, what was the... Right? If... The popularity of Matrix 20 years ago and your complete lack of self-awareness then, what did it represent to you? I don't know that I went super deep on it. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean... I mean, it's, it, it's meant for anything, but I mean, it's meant for everything. Right. More no, than, I, like, I, there's no other meaning to it. I mean, it's like, you know, everyone wants to kind of relate to the protagonist, right? Oh, yeah, you know, if I was Neo, I'd take the red pill too. Sure, you know. And uh, ninja powers and all that stuff. Oh, you yeah. think that's what it was? It was just like a, a fighting sequence movie I mean, that you were attracted to. Maybe. I and mean, the fact I could, that you you were in IT, and then there was the whole like programming code and zeros and ones flying on the screen. Yeah, is that did yeah? That, maybe, but I I don't think I took it in this because uh, it was popular with like the ner- the nerd crowd. Oh sure, I mean it. I think everybody loved the Matrix. It was popular. Period. But yeah, it was. And uh, I I you know. I may have even known about Plato's allegory of the cave at that point, but I didn't connect it. Mm. 
Yeah. Even if I did, I don't think I would have personally applied it. No, I mean, now- I mean, I, I do remember thinking, oh, I don't, you know, not that we're literally living in the matrix like the movie, but I wonder what forces are at play out there that uh, that I'm not aware of. But it was all out there. Not like you're in it. Not, not in here. Yeah. Which is where it really is. Mm-hmm. I, you know, oh, I wonder if there are, you know, people or organizations or the cabal or the Illuminati or the whatever mm-hmm. pulling strings to, to manipulate stuff or, you know, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But yeah. it was all out there. It was yeah. never in here. Yeah. I, I Right. Yeah. So, so yeah, I could, right. So the, the resonance of the truth of the movie would hit you somewhere to where like, wait, I, I feel like there's some truth here. But unless you are aware of such thing as awareness, then you would not know what that truth is, right? And so I, a lot of people talk about the matrix and I think it's like one of those like internet thing, like, oh, the matrix. And then like people like get sucked in because they don't understand it. But th- in essence, that's what it is, is, right. is just awareness. Right. The matrix in, in in real life is not about being... In, enslaved into this computer thing. It's not even about being enslaved by other other people or other systems. It's about in being enslaved by yourself. Mm-hmm. That's what I did not get. Is that it's everyone's enslaved by themselves. And all it takes is that awareness that wh- what am I doing? Why am I doing it? Is do I do I actually do I actually want to if I stop and think about it? You know, maybe not even that. Let me be aware enough that I can decide to do it or not do it and and, and why. Yeah. And that, that, I think it just boils down to that. Yeah. And yeah. Other, otherwise, you're you are at the at the whim of of your the, the your programming, maybe the world's programming to some degree, you know. It's both. Because you know what what is marketing and advertising other than programming? Yeah. Um, I mean, social norms is programming. Social, yeah, sure. I don't know, right? There's a like people evaluate, like, oh, you know, am I self aware? And then on my end, I'm I'm evaluating, like, wait, am I creating a burden for other people by making them become aware that they're not self aware? Right. I and, mean, and so like, there's this. I I almost, you know, with with the podcast, I feel like it's easier because you could just, you know, listen to thirty seconds of this. Go, oh, this is a bunch of shit. I don't want this uh, anything to do with it. Um, and you can turn it off, and then you can make that decision, right? Yeah. And then you know, we're almost an hour into it, and you basically you would never even hear this portion. Uh, so I feel like I'm not. Right, so like I feel like to give Daddy the illusion that I prefer him. <laughs> um, I know she took your spot. I'm just gonna have to sew up some more poofs. So right, so so I feel like with the podcast, I'm not subjecting anyone to self awakening. Right. right, I'm not listen. Don't, forcing. That's fine. Yeah, listen, don't listen. The 
you know, that's quite literally the choice. The fact, if you're listening, it's, you know, and this is your first experience with self-awareness, it is going to be a difficult journey. Right. You're right. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a internal fight. You're fighting yourself. You're fighting right. your programming. Yeah. You're fighting your and, own. And the the older you darkness. are, the longer you've been doing it, the the stronger that is. Yeah. Right. At forty years, when I started, it's like, oh, that's that's entrenched. That's yeah. It feels unnatural to go against it, to even question it. Yes, yourself. To to you know, and it's. I've always been really good at like deceiving myself. Mm-hmm. Um. So you know. Got to use that skill a lot. Yeah. It's it's like an internal battle. Like the fight is yeah. there, but you're fighting yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And but then it, you know, in the David Hawkins in that letting go book that we did the last podcast on, in his autobiography, he says that that once you reach that seven hundred plus state, you realize what the Jesus talked about and you realize what buddha talked about and and mother mary and you realize that vibrational frequency that is the pure essence of love right and i don't know if this is if everybody can relate to this but even even before any sort of spiritual or or self-awakening path that i was on i i had glimpses of that the uh that time after the restaurant, that one time, you know, that was, you know, or, or I've had times when I'm, when I'm driving or I'm, I'm at work and I just, I don't know how to describe it other than it's this overwhelming feeling of, of, there's this knowing that everything is, is, I sound like a maniac talking about this. I think we're past that. <laughs> That's probably true. And I've had these moments of of bliss in my life, going back to when I was, you know, a teenager, maybe before. And they don't usually last long, but they are some of the most memorable moments of my life. They're probably the most truthful moments of your life. Yeah. And it's like like that moment. Everything everything becomes clear. Everything, the whole universe becomes clear, even if it lasts twenty seconds, which some of them are, you know, 10, 20 seconds long. Yeah. And it's like I can still remember how it was. You know, I was I was probably sixteen when I was driving, and then it just oh my gosh, it just hit me, and everything was just everything. Everything was was crystal clear. And then it went away. But what I'm saying is, to me, when those moments happen, right, whenever I feel that, that I say, I say whenever I feel like, and you can watch out, she's right under your foot. Um, you can, you can designate it to like 20 seconds or a day or, you know, a couple of minutes of, to me, like bliss, right? And like to me, to me, here's what it does to me. I feel ultimate bliss. I feel endless love. Nothing really matters because everything is perfect. But then as a whole, it represents truth. 
Like yeah. that is the yeah. truth. That is, those things that I just said is the truth. And that is how it always is. And I know that is how it always is. And now that I have went through, you know, let's say five years of being on the path of spiritual self-awareness, I could say that that is the underlying vibrational frequency of everything and everyone at all times. Yeah. And, and so when, when I start crying, whenever I read David Hawkins' autobiography of how he felt, right? I start crying because to me, and, and he said this, whenever you see people suffer and whenever you see people, you know, commit suicide or be depressed or, or choose the blue pill instead of the red pill, you have so much love and admiration for them as the being of light and the being of love that to me, like I start, like I start crying because I wish for them to feel the essence of their beauty. And so like shame is the wrong word, but it's like, but it's a shame that they don't. Right. And so for me not to have this podcast or for us not to have this as a conversation and for me not to bring this up to anyone that I talk to, not as a burden, but just like as a, as a way to reach that love and that bliss for themselves within that is like disservice to humanity. It is disservice to, it's bigger than humanity. It is disservice to existence of all, existence of, of everything. Um, because in the long run, we're meant to feel that truth was within us, right? Yeah. And, and not, I'm not saying everyone is meant to feel that truth and thus awaking to the 700 point and above Mother Mary and Buddha and Jesus style and thus live in that bliss, right? You know, I, maybe, I think there are some societies that have that, right? And I don't think 8 billion of us in three dimensional space here are meant for that or designed for that. But we're meant to have that knowledge as the backlog of our existence in some portion of a cognitive state of being. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, wh where I was going with, with what I was saying about having experienced it was that, that when I experienced that, I, I guess I started chasing it. Can I, you know, can I recreate this with, with the same the same external circumstances or whatever. Why did you just start chasing them though? I guess that's the answer. That's because the it felt like the truth. It felt like, you know. Your truth. Yeah. That's the thing, right? That's what I want to say is it's, that is our truth. It's yeah. our, our own truth, internal truth. Yeah. And, uh, and I, in as much as that is what all spiritual seekers are, are after, right? There, everybody is, if you're on the spiritual path, the goal, if you were to say there is a goal, is enlightenment or bliss. You know, that's the the goal, I guess, if you... I wouldn't say there's a goal, but if there is a goal, it's that. Um, and being on this path, especially having personally experienced it, this this gets me closer. It It is on the path to that. I don't think I'm ever going to be in a place where 24-7, I'm all, you know, in that. 
um, which is fine because it isn't the goal, but knowing that that exists, um, this is, this is in line with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know what, in, in his, in his book, he says that, um, you know, I guess at some, so I will preface this, um, a lot of people who have near-death experience gain this knowledge right away. Yeah, yeah. Like through a near-death experience. Right. Because they feel this and then they they become aware of this truth. And they, and come, they come back with, with that change, knowledge. Change. Yeah, they come back with the knowledge of this as their internal truth and everyone else's truth. And then after the near-death experience, basically spend the rest of their life reconciling I, what that means. And so yeah. they do this chase. I would say from an easier standpoint. Right. Well, I mean, I think it's like, they're like, oh my gosh, I no longer care about this. You know, I, I I cared so much about the big house and the fancy car and the powerful job and, you know, all these things. And then I died and came back and I'm like, none of that stuff matters. Absolutely none of it matters. I want to sing. I want to paint. I want to, you know, travel, whatever it is. It's some passion that they've always had. That they've, you know, ignored because, you know, they were chasing the big bucks or they were, you know. Or living in pain body. Living in the pain body. It's almost like your pain body becomes apparent. Yeah. And then you see the truth, the vibrational love. So yeah. you reach that 700 plus state from yeah. the David Hawkins standpoint. Yes. And you're like, and the, and I mean, the, to some degree that pain body dissolves or becomes so obvious that, that you were just feeding it for, for no purpose at all. Well, because you were living in the lower yeah. frequency, right? Yeah, and so, yeah, so he he's writing it, and he he has come. But wait, does she need help? She, I don't think she can. No? You could make her your your panther. She's tiny. She's not a panther. That's fine. She can gargoyle my knee. Um, and so yeah, so he he gains this knowledge. You know, I think age of ten is when he has his near death experience, and then it basically he proceeds his life's path working around those concepts and then sooner or later basically becoming permanently enlightened in the sense that he's in that 700 plus vibratory scale that he references. Yeah, and this is where I wanted to go with it. And then he says that the the amount of bliss and the amount of love that is flowing out of it is so overwhelming um, and it's so much, but he basically reaches us and perfects it and then lives it by secluding to a cabin in the woods or whatever he references that for seven years. And, and so what I wanted to say is, you know, when you read that book and when you hear other people's story of enlightenment, Mother Teresa's or Buddha's or whatever, the, pro- the process at which you reach that state is now different than than the stories of the yogis or David Hawkins or Mother Teresa to where you go into caves and you seclude and then you you work at the reaching this state of self-awareness through separation from three-dimensional space. And what we're going through right now is reaching of that state while we're or at the same time functioning in our 3D 
And so the integrational process that we're going through is assimilating that knowledge and that feeling of truth within us and actually incorporating it into our normal everyday scales of the ups and the lows of of what you would even say lower dimensional frequencies of you know guilt and shame and fear and anger so we're learning to assimilate the lower frequencies together with um I'm like the nails are going to come on I like these pants too uh, does that make sense? Yeah. So what I wanted to point out is the process of of suffering or seclusion or all the olden days teaching. When I say olden days, I would say that anything that is older than 10 years would be an olden days teaching of what it means to be self-aware and self-enlightened and and to reach that that frequency of knowing and perfection within you in that internal bliss. If people are talking about their ways of doing that, and that process is more than five years old or 10 years old or 20 years old, and Yugananda's case, you know, 50 years old, that is what the earth frequency was. And that is how those states were reached back then. Right. And it may still work. I don't know. But it's it's not, I don't think it's necessary to go go meditate in a cave for 10 years. no. That knowledge, that baseline of your knowledge is coming on board so naturally that it's not necessary for you to seclude to caves for 10 years. That's what I wanted to say, right? So so when people look at like, oh, well, no, the, the this process is not for me because, you know, I'm not going into Himalayas and, and sitting in the cave for 50 years of my life, reaching peace and tranquility. <laughs> So much viciousness. Why is she so angry? This is the first time I've worn this shirt. I don't want it messed up. Got some attachment there? I'm going to... It's literally attached. I know that's not... And she's growling now. Haley, why did you get angry? I'm trying to detach. My gosh. Right. So I wanted wanted to point that out, is that, that that process is no longer the same as it used to be back when people used to talk about it, even when Matrix came out 20 years ago, right? Yeah. So yeah. that suffering and, and the and the self of loss and in order to find self and, and then like that internal fight maybe was something that was necessary, but it's not point. anymore. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I see what you mean. And so I I'm not trying to say like it's not a sales pitch to where like things are easier, but I'm just saying things are easier. It is a difficult process, right? And it's and it's it's it is you know kind of excruciating to go through still, but it happens so much quicker and with so much <laughs> more information. Is she growling at you? Oh goodness, I'm gonna have to get involved in this. I'm sorry. Oh no. You stinker. Listen, we're gonna have to not get angry. Can we not get angry? It doesn't have to be angry. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I do. I do. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I think just based on how the world is now, the the frequency of, of Earth at this point, I think it's easier than ever. Yeah. It's still not, I'm not saying, that self-digging gets to be hard. Letting go of those stuck emotions is the, and that's the hard part, right? That is what the the difficult part part is. It's just 
seeing self for what you are. And, you know, sometimes whenever we do those deep dives, you know, whenever we did ayahuasca and then we did other things, you know, things things come come up up and you're like, oh, I don't like that self. Yeah. And it is okay to find out that you don't like yourself for some of the things that you vibrate and carry. You don't have to reject yourself. Yeah, but the, but at least you know. Yeah, otherwise, you become aware otherwise, of like I don't like that part of me, right? Yeah. I don't like that part of me that like, like last night I was going to bed and I was like, I really don't like this part of me. Right, but I mean, the way I see it is, you got two options. You can either be be that way that you don't like, and not realize you don't like it. You don't like it still. Yeah, you don't realize it, and that's just kind of eating away at you inside subconsciously. Yeah, or you can be aware of it. And now you have the option to, you know, maybe do something about it. Yeah. You have the option to, to to either change it or to let it go or to act or behave or think or feel in a different way. Or if nothing else, accept yourself as you are. Or or accept it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that, that you know, like, whatever that means, right? Or however that presents itself. As I just, I will, I know this is the part of me that I don't like, but this is a part of me that exists. And I'm okay with that part being there. And I will... Next time it comes up, I will see it, hopefully for what it is, but I will not allow it to to build guilt or shame. Right. That's that guilt and the shame. That's the that's the most toxic of all. And I will just allow it to go, yeah, this is a part of me. This this thing that I don't particularly like that I try to let go, but it's still kind of there. It's just I. This is a reflection of I. And then this is a reflection of I in this time and space in this body. And, you know, and I can just be aware and, and live through that. Right. And and then, you know, as life goes, more and more of those things will come up, right? Like the, when Aiden said to me, like, oh, you know, you created this burden for me. Uh, I had to, I had to look back. I'm like, wait, what do I, th- is there shame or am I guilty? Do I feel, not shame, what would it be? Do I, did I feel like I, I did something wrong by my child? Right, like him feeling like I burdened him with this knowledge. Yeah, and then no. that you know that was I had to spend time evaluating that. Yeah, and it's like you know I can evaluate it from how it hits me personally, which was really hard, uh, and or I can evaluate it like oh this is where he's coming from, and yeah. here's all the things that hits him to me, uh, and then you know, at the essence like. What would I do differently now having this knowledge that he feels this way and then I feel this way, but then here's the bigger picture and then here's what that bigger picture actually represents. It's it's interesting. I uh, I woke up the morning before that day. So this is the, the 20th of December. And and I and I had this awareness of being, right? So we were, wait, where were we? Where we we were in Orlando, and we were going to drive out of Orlando, and and head out to to the Daytona Beach area and drive then drive up coast. And I had this revelation, not, not revelation, but I had this need not need. What 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 did it feel like? I felt it was important. One, I recognized that my children coming into my life was this, like, you know, part of this cosmic greater plan 
And the fact that they chose me as their mother was something that I was really happy yeah. to have, right? Um, and and that came in. I'm like, oh, I need to thank them for coming into my life. Yeah. And then giving me this opportunity to be their mother, right? Like, I'm getting emotional about this because I still feel very passionate about that. Um, you know, because they're magical beings and the fact yeah, that you and I get to play mother and father to these two very right. advanced beings while we figure our shit out is it, 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 it's just incredible yeah, journey. Everything, right? everything I could ask for. Yeah. And so I wanted to thank them on the larger scale for for that, right? And I wanted to say so it came into my mind and I'm like, okay, I need to thank them for this. And then I spend a day basically Holding that back, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna say this, and this, it's not gonna go well. Roll their eyes. I'm gonna roll their eyes and go, here, mom goes again, you know. But he kept on being beaten at me, like it wasn't even coming from this self. Like the love that I felt about that concept was even separate than my higher self or whatever the prime directive was to just saying, you have to say this, right? And so it was almost like whenever I confess my adultery to you. Uh, it was that. It yeah. was almost like that. Like, gotta say it. Gotta say it. Gotta say it. And my three dimensional form is like, oh my gosh. You know, in your case, you know, I think my life will be over and your, you know, everything will be over between you and I and our family. Uh, but in this case, I'm like, oh, they're just gonna roll their eyes and yeah. go, here, mom goes again. Right. And, and I, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, but I'm really being pushed to thank them for this. Right. And so that morning, I, you know, I all through that morning. So I spend a whole day not saying anything at all, even though I was being pushed. And then the next morning, I'm like, okay, I'm. I don't think they're gonna let this go. I think this is gonna have to be part of part of the strip. And so it's kind of like surrendering, right? And I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna go ahead and surrender. And so then I choose to say that, and I'm like, I remember you saying it? Yeah, I remember I said that, and I'm like, okay, they're gonna. <laughs> They're going to, something's going to come out of this. And I don't know what, but something's going to come out of this because this is something that needs to flow, right? And I say that, and then they don't say much back because they're right, they're kind of get taken, taken back from it and they think I'm crazy and I know what they're thinking, right? Because I can read people's mind most of the time. Um, and so we move on from that, right? But I'm like, okay, this is not over and this is going to flow somehow into something. And so it was around, 11 or 12 that I said that out loud and then come dinner time around four o'clock that afternoon so four hours later it flows out the 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 results of that statement propagate through it took about four hours for them to propagate and then the next thing I know they start that conversation the conversation starts with Annabelle saying I wish mom wasn't spiritual right and so I'm like this is where it's going to go. It's going to hit them. I'm going to say something crazy. It's going to hit them where on what needs to come up, right? Uh, and then it will come up and something's going to come out. And and that whole thing, right? Because then we spend dinner basically flowing that out. And then, we, and then we spend like two or three hours afterwards being lost in that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, yep, that, that, that is where it needed to flow. He needed to voice himself. She needed to voice herself. And then both of them, you know, she's 10 and he's 17, feel like they needed to voice the fact that 
they are living their life in the burden-like sense of having the knowledge that most people do not possess until their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, but potentially, honestly, up until recent future would die not having that knowledge ever. And then deny themselves all awareness. Versus their generation, like both Aiden's generation and Annabelle's, I think they are two different generations, right? Um, Are now living with the burden of having the knowledge. And that creates its own spectrum of responsibility. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that generation is the most awakened generation so far. Yeah, but Aiden's generation is already awakened and Annabelle's generation is even more awakened, right? And so that conversation that we had, do we need to be stopping? Yeah. Yeah, is is basically their generation having to live with that burden. Yeah. So we'll wrap it up. But yeah, that's how that played out. <laughs> Life. Life. Is listening.